if you've been paying attention, as you look at culture, we're kind of like in this, you know, crazy mode of people trying to just be healthy, you know, like everybody's talking about health, how to be healthy, how to get in better shape, you know, all those kinds of things. I've told you guys before, I'm a Weight Watchers person, and because uh, I'm just that cool, <laughs> and, and uh, so I count calories, and I make sure everything is perfect, like, you know, I'm not trying not to go over my points in a day, because it's so masculine, and so my wife made uh, some amazing pasta this past week, and I'm scooping it out with my stupid cup, you know, measure around the side, making sure I don't get too much, you know. I remember the most embarrassing thing that ever happened. And I was sitting in my office at the old building, and I was counting out pretzel sticks. And this girl walks into my office. I'm like in mid-placement. like placement, And she goes, what are you doing? And she goes, are you seriously counting pretzels? I go, no, I'm building a house. What do you think, all right? So we're like health obsessed, right? Some of you guys exercise. You work out, man. You're running, right? Some of you guys actually have devices on your wrist right now to tell you how many steps you have taken in a day. And I just want to let you know, I trust no Fitbit wearer. I know you guys are strapping them to your pets and letting them loose in the backyard, right? I'm not falling for it, okay? Some of you guys take vitamins. There's all different types of stuff we do to try to be healthy, but we don't often talk about the health of our soul, and we don't talk about the health of the soul of the people in our church, right? And so in this series, we're doing that, exactly that, talking about how to be healthy people who make up a healthy church. And in week one, we talked about having boundaries. You maybe didn't realize this, but your schedule is spiritual, and when you and I begin to realize that, and we begin to maybe put some boundaries in place around those important things, we actually get closer to God, and we begin to more and more do the things he wants us to do. And then last week, we talked about unity, and how, man, in our lives, we go through some really hard stuff, and here in this room, sometimes we hurt each other. Sometimes we say things that, man, we wish we didn't let out of our mouths. Sometimes we gossip. Sometimes we hurt one another in a way that we never meant to, but it still happens, and we have to learn how to forgive and love and push past that junk, Right? And so last week we talked a lot about unity and how to be healthy people in a healthy church who really loves one another well. Tonight, like I said, I'm just so fired up about this because today I want to talk to you and I about being healthy in how we worship our Savior. Healthy in how we worship God here in this room when we are together. And this is such a huge deal because here's what I believe, guys, right? And I have to give you guys credit where credit is due. You guys, in a lot of ways, man, you really go for it on Sunday nights. I'm so blessed by that. I was just standing backstage waiting to come out and kind of do the prayer. And I could hear you guys over our insanely loud band just worshiping God. I'm so thankful for that. And tonight, I really want to encourage that heart all the more, okay? Sometimes there's a disconnect between what Jesus has done for us and how we respond to him. You know what I mean? There's a disconnect between the amazing things he's done and then how we respond in worship and praise to what he's done. I think there's a missing ingredient in some of our lives when it comes to responding to Jesus. When we gather here in this room and we sing to God. Here's what I want you to imagine. I want you to imagine that there's this device. It's kind of like a thermometer, right? This is imaginary. It's not on Amazon. It measures worship, okay? And I want you to imagine we were able to bring that device here and just drop it on the stage. And the first level of measuring would be not too impressed with what Jesus did, right? And the second level of measuring might be mildly okay with what Jesus did for us. And the third level of measurement would be pretty happy about what Jesus did. And the fourth level would be unbelievably thankful and amazed at what Jesus did. And I just wonder, if we just left that thermometer on the stage throughout our services, what would be measured? What, what would we see? What, what would that thing kind of read? It's coming off you and me as we respond to Jesus for what he has done for us. And so tonight, I hope to inspire us to go even deeper as a church into worship. Deeper. And I want to explain what it is, okay? Because here's, there's some barriers in the way of us getting closer to Jesus as we worship him, you know? There's some things in the way that maybe kind of 
hold some of that worship back. And I'll give you some examples. One of this, some of you guys are just new to this, right? Some of you guys are kind of brand new to church and you're brand new to worshiping Jesus and what all that means. And so you walk in this room and there's a band on stage and they're really good, but you're not really sure what to do. And you see people singing and some people put their hands up and it's like, I don't really know what to do with all this. And, and this is when I wasn't what I was expecting in church. And so what is all this, right? And that's okay. You're new to it, right? But I think a lot of us in the room, we're not new to it. You're ready. We're used to it, right? We're, we're used to it. Like I'm, my whole life, been in church. Hardly ever missed a Sunday. I went to a Christian school, so it means I had chapel every Thursday, and I had Bible classes and worship classes, and then I went to college and to be a pastor, and so I was in chapel every day, and I had all these worship environments, and then I'm here three times on a Sunday, and I used to be there on Friday nights for our youth group, and man, so I've had like probably tens of thousands of opportunities to be in a situation like this and sing and worship Jesus. And some of you guys could say, man, I've probably had a lot too. And sometimes, maybe I'm just a little too used to all this to, res- to respond appropriately to what Jesus has done for me. Is that you? Maybe some of us here in the room would say, well, it's not about that for me, Doug. You see, I'm just really beat up. Anybody have a bad week? Anybody had, had your heart stomped on this week by somebody? Anybody get a bad result from a doctor? Anybody find out you're in some financial trouble? Anybody's dreams torn apart? And then we come here on Sunday, and we go, okay, guys, let's sing and worship God for how awesome he is. And you're here going, I don't know if he's awesome. I have my heart broken this week. I feel terrible this week. I've been depressed all week. What do you mean he's awesome? And we don't know what to do with that tension. And so we're going to talk about that tonight. You know what else, though? I think some of us here, we've just decided that this whole singing thing, it's just not really us. You know what I mean? Like, we like that the band is amazing. And we like that they're really talented. And we like that the people in the seats around us even maybe like to sing. But we've just decided it's not really our thing, you know. We're not musical, you know. We don't like to sing or we're not great at it or it's a little weird. Here we are in this room with all these other people and we're singing to God, I guess. And, and so what is all that about? So we're going to work through all of these sort of barriers to getting closer to Jesus and really worshiping him the way that I think we should. And the way I think that he wants us to. So whether you're new to this, used to this, beaten up, or maybe you've just decided it's not your thing, we're going to discover what this missing ingredient is, and I hope it inspires you to worship today. Here's the good news. Healthy people make up a healthy church. And so as we discover this missing ingredient tonight and maybe get our hands back around it again, we're going to begin to more and more be a healthy church. Because that's my heart, man. My heart is that when people walk into this church, they might say, I don't know if the God that they're singing to exists, but I am sure that these people are fired up about him. I don't know if, if Jesus really is alive like they're saying he is, but man, do they believe it, and man, do they love him. And so how do we get there? How do we become healthy people who make up a healthy church when it comes to our worship? Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, so glad you're in the room today, and you're like, this is weird. <laughs> you know, this is, I didn't, wasn't expecting this in church. But let me just encourage you. First, maybe you'll understand a little bit more about why we do what we do as a church. But secondly, I hope you will see yourself in the story today. You see, we're going to look at a story in just a minute. And every one of us in this room can find ourselves in this story. And we're going to see how it relates to worship. Now, we're going to look at a semi-familiar story if you've been around church for a while. But I really want you to see some things you've never seen before, right? So Luke 17, verse 11 It says this, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. Okay, now what does it mean that these men had leprosy? Well, leprosy was a horrible skin disease. It would literally eat the flesh. 
Like people's noses would literally be eaten up, their ears, like all up their arms, these horrible skin diseases. And, and sometimes leprosy was contagious and sometimes it wasn't. And what would happen was they would have to go to the priest to be examined to see if the leprosy was contagious. And I just got to be honest with you guys. I'm so incredibly thankful that is not one of my jobs as a pastor, <laughs> you know. What do you do, Doug? Well, I preach and I, you know, train some people up and lead some teams and examine skin disease. Like, I'm so thankful that's not on my job description. You know, there'd be way less pastors in the world. I'd just be like, you know, you know that like spot in the back of your throat when you feel like you're just going to gag? That'd be me all day, like looking at skin disease. But all 10 of these guys had the contagious type of skin disease. Do you know what that means? That means that they, they were excommunicated from the community. They weren't allowed to live where everybody else lived. Do you know what else that meant? That meant they had to tear their clothes as a sign of being unclean. And this is a weird one, but they actually had to cover their upper lip. And that was a sign of being unclean. You know what else? So this is horrible. They actually would have to walk every few steps. And you know what they had to yell out? They had to yell out, unclean. Unclean. To let everybody know, don't come near me. I'm sick. I'm contagious. And I might cause a problem for you. And so let's think about this for a second. Apart from Jesus, the lepers were unclean, ostracized, and headed for death. And guys, here's what I need you to see with all the passion that is with my soul today. Here's what I need you to see. We are the lepers, every one of us here in this room. We are these 10 lepers. Think about it. Apart from Jesus, we are unclean right? We are covered in sin. Forget a sin disease. We have a, a skin disease. We have a sin disease, right? We are covered in sin. And so if anybody should feel like, wow, why, why do we owe this God gratitude? Man, it should be us because apart from Jesus, we are so unclean. And you know what else? Apart from Jesus, we are ostracized. We are cut off from a relationship with God. And we can't fix that. Like, we can't figure out a way to make that right. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, here's what I want to say to you guys tonight. I hope your hope isn't in you. Like if you came in here tonight saying, okay, this guy's probably going to tell me to be a good person and kind of clean myself up. I just want to tell you right now, that is impossible. You can't clean yourself up. we got lots of parents in this church that have little ones, and we have lots of you young people here tonight who don't yet have kids. But let me prepare you for something, okay? Here's what's going to happen. You're going to have a kid one day, and it's so weird because, like, one second, they're not born yet. And you're just kind of like waiting. And then the next second, they're born, and you are madly in love. Like, it's the weirdest thing in the whole world. Like, you look at this little child, and you're like, I will die for you. I will put money away in college, for college for you. I will do anything I have to do for you. I will kill anyone who hurts you. Like, it's the weirdest little thing that happens overnight. And you're madly in love. But then all of a sudden, something happens. They have their first poopy diaper. And you look at them, and you go, you little sinner. Like, I mean, oh, my gosh. I mean, how can something so vile come out of something so cute, you know? It's like, get the hazmat team in here. because, And then, guys, 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 I love you, okay? Can I just, ready? The blowout diaper. The blowout, can I just tell you, up the back. Joey's got two of them right now. Up, up the back, right? It's like, I didn't even know they could do that. Didn't you look at the owner's manual? What is happening? And, and what happens is with the first one, you're like, that's disgusting, but I guess I'll clean it. By the third one, you're like duct taping the top of the diaper. to the. No, I never did that. That's horrible. I use super glue. It works much better. <laughs> but guys, imagine this. Imagine a little one-week-old, right? Blowout diaper. Laying on the thing, crying. 
Imagine just looking at that child and going, you know what? Clean yourself up. Never happened, right? What would happen to that child? Eventually develop some sores, develop disease, and if left long enough by itself, die. And guys, you and I are that infant. We can't clean ourselves up. We can't get all the junk off of us. We're a mess. We need someone to clean us up. And so Jesus died on a cross to do that for you and me. But apart from him, we were ostracized from a relationship with God. There was no way we could pray. We could come into this room and sing to him. We could hang out with other people and talk about what God's doing in our lives. Just not available to us. Because we were ostracized from a relationship with him. Also, just like the lepers, apart from Jesus, we're going to die. We were headed for death. Not just physical death. Everybody dies physically. We were headed for an eternal death, a separation from God forever. And so that was my condition, and that was your condition. Unclean, ostracized, headed for death. And you might say, Doug, this is all interesting information, I suppose, but what does it have to do with worship? Well, we're going to see how the story plays out, but can I give you a hint? When is the last time you stood in front of one of these seats here in this room on a Sunday and you worshiped as if one time you were unclean, ostracized, and had been headed for death, but Jesus stopped all of that? Or are we so used to it? Or are we so focused on the junk going on in our lives that we can't get past that and find a reason to praise? Or are we just decide this isn't our thing, not musical, I'll figure out another way to show God I love them. Lepers find themselves in a very interesting situation. It says this, they stood at a distance. They stood at a distance. Why did they stand at a distance? Because they're unclean, ostracized, and headed for death. They couldn't come close to Jesus. Guys, that's me and you. We couldn't come close to Jesus. We had no access to him. There was a chasm between us and our Savior. I love to tell this story every few years, so a couple years from now, I'll retell it again. But when Joey, my youth pastor here, from my friend in the front row over here, when he was like maybe probably ninth, 10th grade, we went on a hike as a youth group, upstate New York, beautiful hike up the mountain. And we went alongside this river, and there was this one spot where there was a lake that went into a waterfall. And somebody said, Joey, I bet you can't clear that river. You're like, you can't jump from that riverbed to this riverbed. He's like, of course I can. And so he got over there, and he dug his heels in, and he jumped. And we have a picture of his mid-leap. This is Joey. There he is, mid-leap. And you can see, if you look real hard, there is a boot coming off, flying in the air behind him. And I wish this were video because what you would see is him splash in the water, missing the riverbed basically completely, right? And then we fished his boot out before it went over the waterfall. And guys, that's a picture of you and me trying to jump our way to God, trying to get close to him, trying to figure this out ourselves. The chasm is two. Why? But Jesus has made the difference. It says this. They called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. If you're a follower of Jesus, there was a moment that you called out, Master, have pity on me. Save me, forgive me for what I have done. I've done wrong things, I'm unclean, and I can't make the jump, I can't make the leap to you. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, you will have this opportunity tonight, if you want to, to call on Jesus to save and rescue you. Then it says in verse 14, when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. So Jesus does this incredible miracle. He heals them. He rescues them from their impossible situation, from their unclean, ostracized, headed for death situation. 
he jumps in in the middle. Now, he sends them to the priest, not because the priest had anything to do with healing them. He sends them to the priest because the priest would determine if they were clean or not, if they were contagious or not, and they could go back to their lives. And you go, Doug, great story, nice story. What does it have to do with worship? Here it is, verse 15 and 16. Look at what it says. So powerful. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He didn't walk up to Jesus and go, hey man, I just want to really thank you for, hey man, fit bump right high five no he threw himself on the floor thanking him in a loud voice because he'd been given his life back because he didn't deserve it because apart from jesus there was no way this could ever happen but it has happened. And so no longer is he unclean or ostracized or going to die. And he came back and worshiped appropriately. And here's what I want to say to you guys. No one who knew this leper's story would have looked at this and looked at the leper and pointed at him and said, what is wrong with that guy? Why is he responding like this, right? Nobody would have said that. Everybody would have said, oh, that's the guy who was going to die and Jesus healed him. Of course he's on his face, thanking the one who rescued him. You see, the response, and this is where we struggle, the response was appropriate to what Jesus had done. And that's where some of that disconnect, I think, comes in for you and me. This is where we struggle. And what is it, guys? What is it that this man had? What was it that fueled his worship? One simple word, guys. This is what it is. And this is what some of us have to rediscover in our lives if we want to become passionate worshipers. And I so hope we're all in on this. One word, gratitude. This man had gratitude for what Jesus has done. I'm telling you right now, if you have a problem with worship, you have a problem with gratitude. It's that simple. If we have a worship problem, we have a gratitude problem. There's something going on in our hearts. If we're standing in these seats and we're, you know, we're ready to worship and, and we're just sort of you know, hands in the pocket and I guess, I guess I'll sing along or I'll just arms folded. And just so you know, I wasn't like turning around watching anybody tonight. This isn't at you. This is at me too. I need to hear this. I need to be reminded of all of this myself. But if we're here tonight and we can't seem to worship, it is not because God is not great. It is not because he has not done great things. There's something in our heart we have to, we have to overcome. And maybe it's newness to all this. Maybe it's used to all this. Maybe it's the brokenness that we went through this week. Or maybe it's just this whole thing that, you know, this isn't really our thing. But we have to come from that place of worship. And we have to be able to say, okay, I will worship. I will have worship in my heart because I am so grateful for what Jesus has done, remembering I am unclean, ostracized, and apart from Jesus, going to die eternally. And then the next part says something interesting. It says, and he was a Samaritan. So the one guy came back was a Samaritan. Now, why does that matter? Well, who were the Samaritans? They were known as, they were literally called this. This is a highly offensive term, but this is how they were known in the first century. They were called half-breeds because these were people who married into the Jewish uh, uh, faith and, and, and culture, and basically they had no relationship with God like the Jewish people did, and so the Jews hated them. The Jews thought that they were imposters, and so the Jews were looking at them, and, and, and the Samaritans, like they would keep some of the rules that God had given them, but often they'd mix in their own rules and their own idols, and here's this one Samaritan coming back to praise God, and I love Jesus' response. Listen to what he says. 
We're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? What were the nine lepers missing? You see, it's so crazy, but the nine lepers were like sitting around, you know, back, hanging out, going, hey, that was kind of cool, wasn't it? Are you kidding me? That was kind of cool? No, no, no. Jesus just gave you your life back, bro. Like, Jesus just put it all back together for you. You now have access to your community. You now have access to your family. You don't have to walk around yelling unclean anymore and tear your clothes. Are you kidding me? That was pretty cool. What a difference gratitude makes. If we have a worship problem, we have a gratitude problem. Bottom line. And I have to wonder, why did the one foreigner come back? Maybe it's because Samaritans weren't weren't known to be religious. They weren't known to have this history in God. And could it be that the other nine Jewish men were just so used to it? They were just so incredibly used to worshiping. They had all this history. They could tell you all the stories about how God had come through for their ancestors. And yet here is this one Samaritan guy who is not mildly okay. He is incredibly passionate about all that Jesus has done for him. Verse 19 says this, Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. What a powerful and life-changing story. See, this convicts my heart. This challenges me never to be used to it. This challenges me never to allow my pain and my difficulty to silence me. This challenges me never to say, oh, this isn't really my thing or my style of music or whatever it might be. This has to help us remember why we're here and what Jesus has done. And so my prayer for you and me is that the attitude we will have going forward as a church, this is my prayer for our whole church all day long, every time we gather, is that we'll grab a hold of that gratitude again. Because the truth is this, guys. Gratitude fuels worship. Gratitude fuels worship. And when you and I begin to rediscover that gratitude, we're going to begin to see God doing great things as we gather here in this room. We began to say, okay, wait a minute. I'm not just going to sing these songs because I should. I'm going to sing them because, man, I'm a hopeless wreck without Jesus. I am unclean, ostracized, and I had no shot at life in God. But he has changed all of that. You see, here's the reality. You ready? If we are grateful for what Jesus has done, we will worship. We just will. It will come out of us. And so if you're new to worship, I hope you understand a little bit more about why we worship. And if you're used to worship, I hope that there's something revived in your heart again to say, okay, I'm going to seek Jesus all the more because of what he's done for me. And if you're going through something painful, here's what we got to do, guys. We have to recognize we always have a reason to thank God. There's always a reason to praise him. Like no matter what we're going through, we can say, okay, I had a horrible week, man. I really messed up and I feel far from God. We can still praise him because he still wants us. Yeah, but, you know, so-and-so stomped on my heart. I'm so broken. Well, guess who's the answer? Jesus. And how amazing is that? And so we can worship him all the more. And I, I don't know, I found out some horrible news at the doctor. Well, guess what? Jesus, as far as I know, has all say and authority over our lives. And so who do we run to? So he's always the answer, and there's always something we can thank him for. And even if it's our worst day, we can still thank him, because at the very least, everybody, we are saved, and we shouldn't be. We are clean, and we shouldn't be. We went from unclean to clean, from ostracized to brought in, from dead to life. And that gratitude is what will fuel our worship. To become grateful, passionate worshipers, all we have to do is remember what we are apart from Jesus. Remember who we are apart from Jesus. And that will help us respond appropriately to what he has done. You know, I think some of us in the room 
just, just need some, some practical insight on this. So let me just talk real practically for a minute. What does it mean now that we know all this, that we have this heart, that maybe we rediscovered some of our gratitude? Here's what I think it means, guys. We got to sing together in here in this room. We got to sing our hearts out here in this room. And you know, again, some of us might say, but Doug, I'm not musical. You know, it's not like my go-to. It's not what I enjoy. All right, well, let me, let me illustrate this for you, okay? For some reason, when we praise God, it blesses his heart. No matter if we have a good voice or a horrible voice, for some reason, when we sing to him, he's blessed by that. And as the person who did the saving, he gets to tell us how he's blessed. You know what I mean? So for example, one day you're walking down the street, right? And all of a sudden, as you turn a corner and you get to a street corner and there's four or five other people there, you see a car coming towards you and all the other people on that corner. And suddenly, as you're looking and knowing this car's probably going to hit you and kill you, a truck like barrels in front and takes the hit for you. And you're like shocked. I mean, this guy just saved your life. You find out the ambulance took him to the hospital and, and eventually a few days later you go and you visit this guy, right? And then you begin to say, thank you so much for saving my life. I mean, you completely saved me. I'd be dead right now apart from you, right? And he's all broken up, man. Cass, he's had all kinds of surgeries. And you say to him, how can I ever thank you? And just imagine he said back, you know, uh, unfortunately I have no health insurance. So some friends of mine put together like a little walk to raise money for me. It's like a five-mile walk, you know. It would mean a lot to me. It really blessed me. You don't have to, but it would really bless me if you went and did that five-mile walk to help my current condition. And just imagine your eye, right? Looking this guy back in the eyes and going, yeah, walking's not really my thing. What do you mean? What? what? Do you realize this guy saved your life? You know what I mean? Like, as, as God, as the saver, he gets to tell us, this is what blesses me. And guys, I think it's pretty awesome that us gathering as his people and singing praise to him is what blesses him. I mean, if God were a psycho, he could have said, you know what will bless me? Just like go over to your car, slam the door on it a few times. That would really, really bless my heart, right? I mean, he, he's God. He has the ability to say that. But instead, what he said is, how about this? Gather some insanely, ridiculously talented musicians and come in the room together and just sing about the things that I've done. And let me just tell you, when we sing to him, we are not boosting his confidence. He's fine, right? He's not like going all week, like when's Doug going to get to that song? about how there's no other name like mine, right? I mean, he's, he's fine, okay? Doesn't need that. But for some reason, he's blessed by it. And so, man, if, if I could just challenge you and me to sing when we're in this place, to not just stand there and kind of keep our mouths closed, to not just sort of observe. That's not why we're here. We are here to praise God. Why? Because we were unclean, ostracized, and headed for death, and he changed all of that. What else could we do? Maybe... We could raise our hands. And this might be like, well, what's that about, right? I'll tell you what it's about. Let me ask you a question. When your team hits a walk-off home run, what do you do? Yes! When your team scores the winning touchdown, ah, right? Or when your little brother or sister or your child or the kid you babysit needs to be close to their parent, what do they do? Help me. Help me, right? So sometimes here in this room, I am arms up, God, you are awesome. And sometimes you're in this room, it's, God, I am broken. I just need to be so close to you right now. Nothing weird about that. I was actually like half asleep while they were replaying some of the stuff from the World Cup this afternoon. And I had my back turned to the TV, but I was kind of half in and out of sleep. And, and I just heard people going crazy over these soccer players. Like going nuts. 
Like people running out of bars, out into the street, jumping up and down. And nobody was going, why are they so excited? I mean, right? It's just how we respond when we're passionate about something, isn't it? And so lifting our hands to God, I want to encourage you to sing, to lift your hands to God. Here's my theory, and I'm putting the Doug Jansen guarantee on this, all right? That although you might not enjoy worship right now, you might not enjoy singing out to God right now, as you, as you do it more and more, you'll grow to love it. And it'll become one of your favorite things that you do, even if you're not musical. You might say, but Doug, I have a bad voice. Well, it's real loud in here, so it's all good. And I feel like people might look at me. Well, it's great because it's dark in here. So let's just all focus on Jesus. How about that, right? And so we have such a beautiful, awesome opportunity. And God is blessed by our worship. How unbelievable is that? I want to bless God. He has done so much for me. And so I want to bless him back. But do you know who else is blessed by our worship? We are, guys. We are. The most alive we ever are, actually, is when we're worshiping God. It's true. And I'll just prove it to you. The most alive we ever are in life is often when we're celebrating something, right? And just think about the difference between these two people, right? You got the one guy watching the game, and the team wins, and he's up, and he's throwing chip bowls, and he's excited, and yes, right? And then you got the other guy. Yeah, cool, we won. I probably could have made that catch myself. I mean, in my prime, you know, I I probably had that, right? Can I ask you a question? Who is more joyful in that moment? Arms folded guy or yes, right? When we celebrate, it brings life to us. Somebody once said this, when you and I have the opportunity, when we've experienced something great, the joy is not complete until it's expressed. So in other words, if we hang on to the words that want to come running out of our mouths. And we, we praise all kinds of stuff. Pizza places, we praise sports, we praise musicians and athletes. And, and we've all been in a stadium singing our favorite song with our favorite band. And we don't care who's watching. We don't care who's in front of us. We don't care who hears our horrible voice. We're just so caught up in the moment. And we're so excited, right? And that's when we're alive. And so we'll be most alive when we are celebrating not just an athlete, not just a musician, but our amazing God who's made us whole. Do you know who else is blessed by our worship? Other people. Other people are drawn in by our worship. I want you to think about that for a second. If someone were to come into this room, we got a lot of new time guests tonight. And I wonder what you thought in that first worship set. Actually, I would guess in this service tonight, a lot of you were like, wow, these people are really kind of serious about that. And I love that. But that's, that's the message we want to send and continue to send, guys, Right? As people walk in for that first time going, wow, these people really love their Savior. And if I could just challenge you guys with something, and this is a, a problem church-wide, but in our services, if I could just ask you guys to actually do your best to get here a few minutes early. Now, why would I say that? Because it makes me feel a lot better about myself. No, I'm just kidding. Because if worship is this important, then we can't miss a second of it, right? Right? If it blesses God, and it blesses us, and it blesses others, then we can't miss a second of it. And I would love nothing more than for you and I to be in this room, and the countdown hits zero, and we are going for it, man. And I think one of the things we struggle with is just this whole lateness thing. And guys, I am a late person, okay? And I get it. But about four years ago, when I started not just speaking at night, but doing the morning services, I started having this problem where I'd get to church and I'd do all the stuff I have to do and I'm not a morning person, so I'd get there and do all my stuff and, and then I'd realize, oh my gosh, I never kind of like went through my message that one last time to really get it in my heart and pray through it and stuff. 
And so, like right before our morning service, I would go up into my office and miss the worship set while I'm running through my message. And I'd come running down the stairs as I heard the band start to kind of calm down a little bit, and the music got a little quieter, and then Andrew would be like, you know, welcome everybody. And, and I'd run up on stage and be like, hey, guys. And one day God just came back to my heart like, Doug, what are you doing, man? You're missing the most important part of the day, the most important part of the service. And you know what I realized, guys? It doesn't take a rocket scientist. I realized I was about 15 minutes late every single service. And so I just back my day up 15 minutes. Get up 15 minutes early. Get out the door 15 minutes earlier. Front row. Countdown hits zero. And we go. You ever been to a movie and you walk in and there's like nobody in the theater and the thought that runs through your mind is like, oh man, I hope this movie's all right. But then you know those movies you get to, man? And they are packed out. And before the previews are even done there's like not a seat left and then the lights dim and people are clapping they're excited about the movie and you're like yo this is going to be awesome you see when we walk in and visitors walk in and there's three people in the room that says something but when they walk in and it's like this that says something very different and i think it's a part of us saying god we love you so much we could be on time we love you so much we don't want to miss a second of worship and we don't want to miss it because we bless you but it blesses us and it blesses those around us as well. A bunch of years ago, we went to Belize on a missions trip. And a bunch of you here in the room were on that trip, and, and we're down there, and it was so hot. And we would wake up in the morning, and on Sunday, there were two huge school buses that the missionaries would drive through the town. And their people were so hungry to be in church and so hungry for God, they would wait out on the ends of the streets, and we would pick up people on the way in these school buses and cram in and the people lived in houses the size of most of our closets. One of the houses we built, we built for a family because they were in their old house and rats were getting in and biting them while they were sleeping. That's the environment these people are living in. We got to the church, which was a fraction of the size of this room. Everywhere that's curtained off was basically no walls. There was a, a, the roof was just a few feet above our head and it was a tin roof. It starts pouring raining in this hot, sweaty church with all these people crammed in, no walls, and guys, if, 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 you could ask Joe, you could ask Andrew, you could ask these other people that were on the trip. I've never heard people worship like that in my life. And I'm sitting there with tears streaming down my face going, these people don't know what a TV is. They don't have a car. They have no air conditioning. They have horrible lives. They're getting literally bitten by rats while they sleep. And they can find gratitude in their heart on a Sunday morning to praise the one who saved them. Unbelievable. They can do it. We can do it. I'm not trying to minimize your pain. We go through some junk in this life. Life is so hard. I learned that more than ever this past year and a half. But even on our worst day, God is still amazing. Even on our worst day, we don't deserve to be clean and close and headed for life in him. If you're not a father of Jesus, tonight I want to give you a chance to put your trust in him to discover more and more about this relationship with your Savior who loves you so much that he got on a cross to die in your place. And so I'll give you a chance to do that in just a minute. But man, if you're a follower of Jesus, I would just cry out, man, let's get passionate. Some of you guys are going, oh, that's all right, man. You know, Doug will just get over this. And we'll go, no, 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 no getting over this. Let's go. Let's get closer to our Savior and let's show him how much we love him. We don't have to get all crazy. We're not going to start knocking curtains over and people running around the room. And No, no, no. Let's just respond appropriately to what Jesus has done for us. Gratitude fuels worship. Let's pray. God, we thank you. 
that we get to, get to worship you. We don't have to, we get to. You've invited us to be the most alive we will ever be by being near you. We thank you so much, God, that you have just loved us and and given us the opportunity to, to find salvation in you, that like the lepers, we get to come near. And that one leper out of the ten was the most joyful, the one who fell on his face and thanked you for giving him his life back. And God, we want to be that leper. We want to be that one who comes back and gives you praise for all that you've done with passion in our hearts. If you're a follower of Jesus, would you just really try to figure out, man, what is in my way? Is it that I'm used to it? Is it the pain that I've experienced? I've let that steal my worship? Is it that I've decided this just isn't my thing or I want to look cool or I don't want to look dumb? or Like, what is it? Why, why do I not worship and respond appropriately to what Jesus has done? Why is there a disconnect? Just pray through that. And tonight, let's worship him like we've been cleansed, brought in close, and given salvation in life. Next Sunday night, as we have a worship night, let's worship him with passion. Not trying to draw attention to ourselves, but just passionately praising God for what he's done. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him tonight, I would love for you just to pray this, or something like this right now with me. Jesus, thank you so much for dying for me. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sin. Thank you for showing me my need for you. Oh God, would you cleanse me? Would you bring me in close? Would you lead me to life in you? Thank you for all you've done for me. And I pray, God, I will worship appropriately and that this gratitude will fuel my worship.